Ariel, listen to me. The human world, it's a mess. Life under the sea is better than anything they got up there. Hello and let's fix football. This is your host, Gabe Lezra, and I'm joined by Evan McTeer, as usual. Evan, we're back to our bullshit, man. This is a, this is a normal week this week. We don't have any guests or anything. Yeah, we've had some, you know, we've done it a little different the last couple of weeks, but this week we're back to just uh, drinking and saying stupid things about football. Well, that's a good point. What are you drinking? You know, so I think the first episode I was drinking a Shiner, just regular Shiner box. Today I have Shiner Bohemian Black Lager. Is that like which the is only beer, beer in Texas? No, I mean, so it's just like it's available everywhere. It's pretty cheap and it's not bad. So I just keep buying it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this, so this is their kind of their darker edition beer. And I like dark nice. beer. It's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, dude, that's good. I'm drinking a Spanish red wine because I know we're going to talk about Spain today. I also have next to me a Belgian beer uh, in the mold of the first thing that we're going to talk about today, which is France. And I know that is dumb and a dumb segue, but, you know. You're double fisting for this podcast right now? Well, I'm not double fisting so much as I, I already drank half the bottle of wine. <laughs> and I figured, like, I'm going to need something else to drink at the end of the show. Uh, <laughs> So, kind of double fisting. A little bit. A little bit. I just, I want to be prepared. I want to be prepared. You know what I'm saying? Love it. I like it. It's the move. It's the move. Uh, so, our, I think th- th- this week, I know we, we normally recap Europe. So, let's start in France because the funny, uh, it's, it's absolutely the funniest place uh, to talk about right now because, so, PSG is just going to be a topic that we're going to come back to. Uh, all season, I'm sure, because their shit it just never stops being funny. Because when you like involve a lot of people with huge fucking egos and people with essentially unlimited amounts of money, you get hilarious stories. Like the one that came out recently, where a number of outlets reported that the PSG board or whoever the fuck has all the money just kind of offered Edison Cavani one million euros in pure cash to not take penalties anymore. <laughs> So I guess what it was, right, is so he had the the report, which I think PSG has denied for what it's worth. But the report is that he has a one a clause in his contract that pays a one million dollar bonus for being the top scorer in uh, Ligue 1, which I guess takes 12 or maybe, you know, I guess 12 or 13 goals. They're not very good. Yeah. It's a joke about how France is bad. Yeah, um, yep, yep. And uh, and so they were like, and his point is like, well, I can't win that if I don't take penalties because you know that's how PSG scores their goals. Apparently, <laughs> uh, it's too much to ask that Cavani scores from from open play. And so they're like, well, what if we just pay you that bonus, that million dollar bonus, even if you don't get the uh, you know top score, if you just let Neymar, our newest, most expensive <laughs> little bitch, take the penalties. Just to placate Neymar's fucking massive ego and not have any more penalty freakouts where Dani Alves like grabs the ball away from Cavani and then like a little bitch like holds on to it like a fucking three year old. There's like a perverse logic to this though, right? Because they pay so we you know everyone knows that they've done the math and like it's not just the two hundred and whatever million euro transfer fee. Like this move for Neymar is going to cost PSG a half a billion euros. Um, or even more than that. Yeah. 
So, like, in the grand scheme of things, you need that person to be happy. And if that costs a million euros, it costs a million euros. Who gives a fuck? Right, which is why, like, at the end of the day, when this does come to a head, because it's obviously going to, PSG will sell Cavani like that. Like, it won't even be a thing that they think twice about. Even though this dude has played faithfully for their side for years, they're just going to get rid of him because... He's hardcore gone in the summer. Yeah, I don't think... I mean, like, I think I I would put huge odds against him staying another year at this side. Uh, Even if he is the highest scorer in France. And the funny thing about all that is that he wants to be high scorer in France, probably not just for that bonus, but also because he wants to remind everyone like, Hey, like this is my team too. And, and all that shit. So like taking the penalties and scoring more goals than Neymar is a big deal. But that in and of itself, like the fact that this is already a thing is just, it bodes so poorly for this side. Like, and apparently, so uh, I didn't watch this match, but I've, I've seen highlights. Uh, PSG had a fucking terrible match away at Montpellier, which is a team I've fucking never heard of, where they drew zero. Do you know where Montpellier is? I'm not. I'm not sure where. I'm not sure where. I think it's in like the. Isn't it like the north? Fuck, I don't know. Northwest. Fuck, I don't know. I don't know. I. If you told me that, you told that me that I would accept it as true. I could Google. You know what? I don't care. So they lost or they drew at Montpellier, and I think my understanding was it's a match that Neymar didn't play. So this is a match where. Uh, this 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 PSG side looked extremely toothless and shitty, and that's the kind of thing that they have to be really worried about because the the problem with this side that everyone kind of noticed was that they don't have any defense. But that wasn't the issue. The issue was that they couldn't score, which was not a problem any anyone thought they were going to have going into this season, especially against this fucking like you know le- you know B league fucking terrible mid tier French sides that don't really. Yeah, like if they can't score against Montpellier, how the fuck are they going to score against Bayern uh, tomorrow? So that I, it's all it's all hilarious. Like I'm super I'm super into it. You're gonna we're gonna be talking about PSG all the time on this show because of exactly this. Like it the idea that they're just would just <laughs> they would just fucking give Cavani millions of dollars to make sure Neymar is happy is absolutely atrociously funny and. It's just it's just indicative of the whole culture at that club, which is just like, well, let's just fucking throw money at it. And that's like, of course, they, they feel that way. And of course, that's like this club that like bought its way into super prominence through like deals with fucking FIFA and all these corrupt fucks. Like, uh, I don't need we don't need to pontificate about FIFA anymore, but I just want I'm glad that we began our uh, our summary of the European leagues by talking about PSG because they're a shit show and they're hilarious. Uh, and I'm firmly Team Cavani, by the way. Like, just not not because I think that he, if I were PSG, I would want to like placate him, but just because like it's funnier to be Team Cavani than Team Neymar. Well, I mean, you gotta you gotta feel for Cavani a little bit, right? Because he he like he was under so like Zlatan is there for the longest time, right? And like Zlatan's this overwhelming personality, and I, I think it's fair to say that like any team Zlatan is on is Zlatan's team. Yeah. Um, and I think we're both on the record as being huge Latin fans. So yeah, like, big, big, fuck, big, fuck big fan of Latin, yeah. Huge Latin fan. Um, and then like Latin leaves. And so now it's like Cavani's team, right? I mean, he's like the guy, he's this real world-class striker. He's the attack, right? right. Who gives a, you know, who, who else would compete with him? Fucking Draxler. Like who gives a right. shit? Um, and then they're like, no, we actually believe it. We have so much faith in you, Cavani, that we're going to go spend the GDP of a small island nation to buy a new attacker. Yeah. Yep. Like, 
and we're no, gonna pay him billions, like millions of dollars, we'll, and fucking yeah, funnel like, millions of dollars to his, his dad. We're gonna pay off his dad. We're gonna like fucking. We're gonna like set up all of these endorsement contracts, and he's gonna get some of the TV money, like all this bullshit. Um, and it's like, the fuck am I? I'm, you know, I'm Edison Cavani. I'm a good player. I guess. <laughs> that's kind of bums, that kind of bums me out. But the, I mean, I think the interesting question is where Cavani is going to land. And we're not going to speculate on that today. I think it's Maybe possible. Go to Montpellier in the yeah, south of France. Yeah, fuck that. And just fucking on stick the Riviera. It to go to Monaco. Let's Marseille. <laughs> Marseille is a cool team. Marseille uh, team. Monaco uh, sucks. Monaco does not suck. They do suck. <laughs> they all suck. I, I'm not really following. They got fucking rocked today in the Champions League. All right, yeah, moving yeah. on to uh, to <laughs> let's talk about Spain um, because this has been a rough patch for Madrid uh, in Spain since we talked to you last week. Madrid has uh, played the first game in 73 consecutive matches where they didn't manage to score. Uh, and they lost in the Bernabeu to Real Betis, putting them seven points back of Barcelona. It's, it is a disaster in Madrid. I mean, look, it's also extremely early in the season, and Barcelona has not dropped a point yet despite, you know, getting incredibly lucky. I mean, like, uh, the second-highest goal scorer for Barcelona this season is own goal. So they're getting a little lucky, but still, like, you can't drop this many points in what is essentially a duopoly league at the beginning of the season and still be favored. So I think now the betting houses have Barcelona as the favorites at about 60, 60% to win the league. And I think that's fair. And yeah, it's, it's about fair. I mean, I think that, you know, seven points is, it's not good. And like, we were kind of making light of Real Madrid struggles the first couple of weeks. We were like, you know, it's early. They were very unlucky, and it's true. They were unlucky. They've hit the post. They're still times. unlucky, like, right? They're the still unlucky. They're expect their expected times. goal. Yeah, their X goal, their expected goal is they're still beating the shit out of people on X goal, but that's yeah. not how we decide who gets points. Well, and um, we'll deal with this amazing hot take later in the show, but maybe it should be. <laughs> maybe it should be. Maybe there's another way of deciding who the best team is. Hmm? Um. <laughs> But I mean, like, look, it, it's it's now it is perfectly fair to be concerned about Madrid. But on the other hand, like, if we assume that this is a good team and the stats tell us it's a good team, then this shit evens out over the long run, and they're going to get a run where they're going to win even when they should lose. Right. And right. they and the other thing is they still get to play Barcelona twice. That's true. Um, you know, they get a chance to make up ground. Each of those is six point matches. Yeah, that's a good point, and it's the kind of thing where, like, if this if this were the you know the the deficit at, ha- at mid season, and we'll check in again then. But if this were the deficit at mid season, then it's a totally different conversation. But right now, there's so Keon and I did a show right after the Bethy's game where we were really pissed off. But then we got a question from one of our patrons saying, like, "Well, is it time to absolutely panic?" And actually, both of us kind of calmed down and said, "No." Because if you actually watch these games, right, and and look at the peripheral stats from this run for Madrid, these are not the peripheral stats of a team that is really struggling. They are, you know, Madrid is getting 60% of their shots inside the area. We've hit the, they've hit the post six times, like in games. They're, they're getting what, like four expected goals a game right. or something and ridiculous. It, like exactly. it's crazy. And so like in that Betis game, like they hit the post twice and like it just wasn't falling. And Cristiano Ronaldo shot the ball 12 times. Like when you have one of the, one of, if not the greatest goal scorer in history, shooting the ball t- like 12 times, like 
you know, and it's not going in, then there's something else going on. And obviously Madrid does have real problems, and that includes their, you know, really leaky defense that has been, I think, much more of a question mark earlier in the season than I I think any Madrid fan would want. And that that is the place that I would focus on if I was going to be worried. So on the other hand, Gabe, I you you have a lot of stats. You have X goal, and you have all the peripherals, possession, shots in the box. That's all great. On the other hand, they have fallen out of the top ten of the ESPN Power Rankings. No shit, really. Yeah, so, so I think awesome. that that's that true. Game. Yeah, no, it definitely <laughs> true. That, them and Tottenham were dropped that's, out this week. Nice, nice. That's so I think exciting. they I think definitely following the ESPN Power Rankings is very important. Um, it tells you who's good and who is bad. I mean, that's that's the only thing that I, I, I catch up on after every match day is the ESPN power rankings. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really I'm really, really desolate. Like, I think Madrid's going to get relegated this year. Yeah, it's uh, hit. <laughs> uh, Barcelona won against Hirona in what was a very good match, actually, where Barcelona only actually created one goal themselves. Hirona scored twice on themselves um, because, of course, they did. <laughs> yeah, uh, but they, they're a good team. So that's exciting. Uh, Valencia seems to be the real deal, as does Sevilla. So this is a this is a good side, and Atletico is you have finalized the transfer of Diego Costa coming back, and that really kind of solidifies one of the areas that they so, were lacking earlier in the season. So I'm a little confused by the Costa transfer. So can he not register until January, or can yeah. he play play right away? No, he can't play until January. Until January, okay. So it's just it's like just, they complete the deal, but he can't register until January. That's right. It's the same thing okay. that Barcelona did with Arda Turan a couple of years ago when they were transfer banned. So they got him, and then he just kind of practiced with the squad uh, until he could register in January. Actually, because, transfer ban, because, of course, a FIFA transfer ban doesn't actually mean a transfer ban. No, of course not. And... <laughs> Uh, Atleti actually has another striker that they've signed up, which is why you're hearing rumors in England, which we'll go to next, about um, this guy, uh, Gamero, maybe going to Everton. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so because Valencia, or, sorry, Atleti already signed uh, ex-Sevilla product, Bitolo, who's playing this beginning of the season at Las Palmas. Um, so, yeah, I mean, basically nothing has changed in in, in, uh, uh, in Spain. I'm yeah, We'll see how, how Madrid turns it around. Uh, after what was a very, and we'll talk about the Champions League in a little bit, but it was a very, very good match for Madrid today in Dortmund. Um, moving on to England. So basically everyone in the top six won. There wasn't, and this is, you know, I'm sorry about the kind of rushed analysis, but the truth is there's not that much to talk about in England. Uh, Morata scored a hat-trick for Chelsea. He's super good. We've been telling you he's super good. He's super good. Spurs beat West Ham 3-2. to two. I don't know if you want. Yeah, it was a really nervy match. We went up three nil and then uh, gave two back, and Serge Aurier decided that he uh, needed to, you know, get a uh, fucking red card and get sent off, and you know, make me shit my pants for thirty minutes. <laughs> um, but they pulled it out in the end. They were definitely a better side. They looked fine. Yeah, um, Manchester Harry City is really good at football. Manchester City continues to score goals in boatloads. This time it was against Crystal Palace. Um, Arsenal won as well, and United beat Southampton one nothing in what was, uh, by all accounts, a shitty game. So I don't have that much to say. Uh, I think the Liverpool Leicester game was the best of the weekend, probably. Uh, and I agree with kind of uh, the kind of general take of this, which is Liverpool is fucking exciting to watch, but they're also not that good a team. And I think their match today, where they drew one one against Spartak Moscow was, you know, probably kind of proof of that. They're not a competently built 
like complete yeah. side. So they Look, will win these awesome matches three to two with like Coutinho scoring these beautiful goals, but they're not really a team that you can expect to challenge for the, for the, for the title this season. I mean, Liverpool and Leicester city. So I watched that match actually. And it was a very exciting match, which is what you guess sometimes when flawed mid table teams play against each other. Yeah. And you know, it's fun to watch though. And Coutinho is very good. I've heard, Barcelona are kind of continuing their interest in him. We'll see if that pans out. But, uh, you know, I, I look, he's a good player. I like him, and I'm glad he's not on Barcelona. That, you know, that being that said. Free, that free kick he took was, was, was beautiful. It was, it was sex. Beautiful. It was amazing. Uh, and I just I want to circle back. I know I mentioned this already, but Morata is a fucking great player. And, you know, Chelsea, I think people are underselling how, how lucky they were to grab him from Madrid. Like, a lot of Madrid fans, including me, did not want him to leave, and it looks to me like he essentially begged his way out of the side because he wasn't prepared to wait a couple years to, to really take over the full mantle from Karim Benzema, which, you know, fair enough, my guy. Like, if he if he feels that way, that's okay. I, you know, I, <laughs> I get it, but I also feel a little bit like, you know, I wish he would have stuck it out because he is he is the real fucking deal, and that... You know, his goals against Stoke were, you know, Stoke, so they kind of blow. But, like, his goals were something else to watch. And it's the same shit that he was doing all year with Madrid. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's a big upgrade for Chelsea at the striker position, uh, which is a position that, given the way Diego Costa played last season, they actually needed. Morata's had such a quiet, like, huge start to the season. It's really weird. Um that no, that people aren't talking about it more. I, it, I don't know. It's just strange. He like he's doing really good, and he's um, you know making that Chelsea attack pretty potent. So um, I agree with everything you said. He's, he's you know doing really good. Uh, so is Lukaku, I guess. So, but that's the um, reason, right? That's why is because that's why I'm not hearing about it. Everyone but. is desperate to talk about Manchester United. Like that's that's just fucking fundamentally what's going on. Like the entire pundit class is just fucking falling falling over themselves to suck. You know, Jose Mourinho's fucking dick and basically give, you know, like Pep Guardiola's asshole this whole yeah, game, I mean, even though like Morata's actually arguably the most exciting tr- signing of the summer. Well, I mean, what what I mean, the thing is that Harry Kane's going to beat him both for the uh, for true. the golden boot anyways. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, Harry Kane uh, started off his Champions League run well today. My understanding is there hasn't been much movement in Italy Um my, there's another thing, though, that there's been some movement at the top of Italy, Italian football with AC Milan. And we're going to talk next week to uh, uh, James uh, uh, from uh, the Aston Villa blog and the SB Nation's uh, Rosonero blog. Uh, he will talk to us more about uh, Milan because I'm actually really interested in getting into that in addition to what we're actually going to be talking to him about. But the, the, uh, the general gist of our conversation with James... James Brushton, if anyone wants anyone to follow him on Twitter, uh, will be about kind of uh, the, 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 the new you know, way that everyone's been talking about sports and politics. So we're going to be talking about that next week. But so Do they he, still play football in Milan? That's what I was saying. So I wanted to bring up the fact that it looks like Milan has had some coaching issues at the top there. Uh, and it, there's been like this really, really arguably the strangest tweet I've seen in soccer Twitter like ever was from Milan's fucking like head coach today where he was like, 
Uh, yeah, I just want to announce that like there are a lot of things that we want to do better, and this is a big announcement. Uh, I had a conversation with our sporting director, and like you think, oh, I'm gonna res- he's gonna resign, and then he's like, <laughs> actually, like I'm firing our physical coach, and we're gonna do a new like physical preparation routine. That's all he said. It's like, really, like you did this whole thing for that? Like you're just replacing your like fucking physio like, physio guy? Like that's it? Um, Weight training is gonna be better. Really strange. Uh, so I think that's that's that for the the, the big European leagues. Um, Bayern uh, gave up. So actually, yeah, there is one thing I want to mention. Bayern had a two-goal lead over the weekend uh, and then lost it in the second half uh, and ended up drawing the match, which was really bad. Which And it, and it actually puts um, Ancelotti on the hot seat going forward. Uh, hope the you know, you would expect him to be able to get a result against PSG, but if he can't, I think we're going to hear some rumors about him getting sacked. So it'll be interesting to see. All right, um, let's jump in then to uh, UCL match day two, right? Uh, unless you yeah. want to mention that uh, you know Dortmund is actually... So Bayern's drop points leads to uh, Dortmund being first in the table in the Bundesliga. I wanted to mention... That was the second part of this I wanted to mention... My gut says that they don't really have a chance. <laughs> no, I think that's probably right. I mean, so like Bayern's had a slow start and Dortmund's had like a racing start, but Dortmund probably is worse than last year and they couldn't pull it off last year. So I, I just don't see why they would be able to pull it off this year. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. That 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 is I think that the general consensus about the Bundesliga is that it's a one one league. Uh, one team league really in terms of who's going to win the championship every year. Uh, Bayern is just a class above everyone else. Um, all right. UCL match day two, lots of good games. Uh, Tottenham uh, with three, nothing away in Cyprus against uh, Apoel. That's a, that was a big game for uh, Harry Kane. Although Tottenham didn't start the match that well. No, they started, so they started slow and, and Spurs have been doing that lately. And so it was a little frustrating, um, you know, they've been having a tough time in a series of matches like, OK, so like to start the season they had um, against Dortmund has been the best win of the season. Dortmund came out to play and Spurs just just shredded them. Um, but against teams that are bunkering in like Apoel was always going to uh, Spurs have been having a tough, tough time breaking down opponents. Um, but once they found their way through today, um, I think it was Harry Winks was able to put Harry Kane through on goal, who slotted it in a, a really nice left-footed effort. Um, then the game kind of opened up, and they put, you know, Harry Kane put two more past him. Should say Harry Kane is now has 11 goals in 10 Champions League appearances to start his career, um, which is yeah, fantastic. Yeah, Harry Kane's fucking great. It's amazing. <laughs> He's amazing. He's so good. And he doesn't, he's not good in the same sense that a lot of other players are good. Like, he doesn't look spectacular on the pitch. He just fucking scores goals. It's just, it's just crazy. He reminds me a little bit of like a combination of uh, a couple of players from my youth. I mean, he reminds me a little bit of a combination of like Rude Van Nistelrooy, who I watched forever, who I loved. And, and he may have been a little bit, I don't mean to be a douche, but a little bit before your time in that he, 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 I think he retired. Around the time of 2010, yeah, um, I, I don't remember ever really watching him. So what he did really well was he—I mean, like he was a pure poacher, and he was—he would just score, and like it, what yeah. you wouldn't see him, and then suddenly you would see him, and he would score, and that—that that reminds me a little bit of Kane, but he also has a little bit of that, uh, 
of that Raul look in him where he goes yeah. back and grabs a ball and plays in midfield yeah. a little bit, which is a very yeah, cool so, combination. So Kane, Kane came up in large measure as an attack. Like there was a lot of question, was he an attacking midfielder, like a number 10 type, or was he a striker? And in this Spurs side, he drifts out, out to the wing. He comes back and picks up the ball and distributes the team. It's actually why him and uh, Delhi play so well together because both of them are able to shift back and forth between the attacking midfield and the striker position and play off each other. And Delhi's so great at finding space for these clever little runs. And Harry's really good at holding up the ball, giving him a chance to do that and then delivering it. Um, and so it's why they play so well together. It's interesting because you could be describing Kareem Benzema and Cristiano Ronaldo like that, right? Like that's, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that is the dynamic that a lot of modern attacking lines are going for where someone like Lukaku and some of the Manchester United and some of the other English teams, especially right. Like really have kind of given up on this kind of modern, you know, tactical innovation of having the attacking players drifting, uh, between the lines and 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 constantly moving, constantly being everywhere to create space uh, and attacking vectors for each other, and yeah. you know it's it's cool because I I totally think that that's from Pochettino. <laughs> I think that no, yeah, it, it is, it, and you know Pochettino for people that don't know coached at Espanol. Um, you know he and he came Loved up playing he, most, there came, he came up playing in Spain and. Um, and so he definitely has a continental and very you know Spanish influence to uh, to his coaching style. Um, and I think that he is ahead of the curve compared to other coaches in the Premier League. And the Premier League, for whatever reason, has you know until last year when or this year when they picked up you know Pep and or last year rather um, you know picked up Pep and Mourinho came back or stayed and. Um, the, the Premier League coaching has been tactically, it's just been, you know, behind the curve on the continent lately. But Pochettino has definitely has a very modern system at Tottenham. It's one of the reasons they've been so successful. And one of the reasons I'm gonna be very sad when he eventually leaves to coach one of the biggest teams in Europe, which is I'm sure is going to happen eventually. Yeah, I mean, I could see him coming to Madrid, actually, if, if I didn't think Zidane was kind of locked in for the next few years. But that could be perfect for Pochettino's yeah, time true. frame, right? Pochettino, so in two years' time, Spurs will have moved into the new stadium, Ho, you know, assume that maybe they got some silverware. They've had to move on a couple players. Hi, Charlie. I just want everyone to introduce you to Evan's dog, Charlie. I know yep. Logan yep. has been. That's my dog. There's someone at my door, um, which your... is making him very upset. Well, why don't we pause? <laughs> why don't okay, we pause I'll, be right, I'll be right back, Gabe. All right. All right, we're back. Uh, Evan's uh, dog, Charlie, who I think we're going to try to keep some of that in, just uh, just wanted to let us know that there was someone at Evan's door, so we had to quickly pause. Um, so we're back chatting about uh, Mauricio Pochettino, one of my favorite coaches in the entire world, uh, who we've mentioned that you know uh, maybe coming or maybe uh, you know the next on the the short list of the big clubs in Europe. Yeah, and I was kind of saying that, you know, if it's a couple years until something like Madrid opens up, I think that might work because I, I don't think Poach is in any hurry to leave um, uh, to leave Spurs. He's always talked about the project and, and wanting, you know, being committed to the project. And I think when, when him and Daniel Levy talk about the project, in part they mean setting this team up for the future, which is tied to the new stadium. And I think it's about getting this team to into the stadium with a successful competitive team um, to, to, you know, to make that next step. And Poach might think that, okay, finishes this year, finishes next year, the right. first new stadium. 
maybe hopefully he wins some silverware in that time he can then say that he completed the project at Tottenham he made them a top four side a title contending side and he got them in the new stadium in that in yeah. that position and he can then move on with kind of a clean contest feeling he accomplished what he set out to do at Spurs and as much as I will hate to see it happen I think that that would be completely yeah. fair no I agree um, It'd be completely fair to see see him uh, go somewhere like you know Madrid or Bayern. Like he go, he has the quality to coach at these places. I I agree. I so previously when I was worried that Zidane wouldn't make it, I thought that Conte was a great choice to be at Madrid. I think I still think I really I'm really a fan of his, but I actually think down the line Pochettino could be a very good you know choice at Madrid as well. But let's you know given that, let's talk a little bit about Madrid. Madrid go into Dortmund. And win for the first time ever. Madrid had never won at the Signala Duna Park in uh, in Dortmund. They went in today, and the truth is that the hallmark of the Zidane era in Madrid has been the ability to turn up turn it up a notch when it when it when it matters. And in these kind of hostile away arenas, uh, under immense pressure from the home media. I mean, like one of my bad takes is going to be about this, but. You know, immense pressure from the home media, including on Cristiano Ronaldo, which is extremely unfair. And it's the kind of shit where, like, every time, like, this Spanish media is just desperate to just get him, you know. But he, he just, he, he delivers. And, you know, this, this Madrid side delivered today a arguably their best performance of the year, certainly their best attacking performance of the year. Uh, Gareth Bale getting the first on an absolutely sex, just pure sex. Of all God, it's so good. Um, it's really the touch, the touch it takes, the and the control you can have on a volley like that is just unbelievable. It was so the 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 basic play was that Carvajal grabbed the ball on the right, cut into the middle, and saw you know both Bale and Ronaldo breaking. And as you would expect, all the Borussia uh, defenders saw, thought that Carvajal was going to get the ball to Ronaldo. So he lifted it over to Bale, who touched the ball in the center of the area on a volley, you know, absolutely perfectly, just in, with enough power to get it comfortably past the keeper and, and without so much power that it blasted over right into the corner. Beautiful shot. Uh, and the kind of structure of the match was basically set up for Gareth Bale to have a great match, and he did. Uh, getting the second, uh, the second goal was Ronaldo's uh, on an assist, from Bale, which was he was he was released uh, by Modric down the side, and just the one touch, just absolutely perfect pass, found Ronaldo. It was a beautiful game for Madrid's offense. I mean, like, and one of the the one thing I wanted to mention, the reason that that might be is that incomprehensibly, Bosch, the Dortmund coach, decided to play a crazy high line against what is arguably the you know, most lethal team in the world when you give space behind your last defenders. And, and you, know what's am- you know what's amazing about that game is that's how Tottenham shredded them to pieces is they played the high line and Tottenham just with all that space and the attacking talent that Tottenham has, they just, they just shredded them. And so the, and then to come and try to do that against Madrid, which has even more skillful attackers just seems absolutely fucking insane. Yeah. It was, it was bananas. I hadn't like, I, 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 for sh- I was positive that, that, that they were going to change it up. Going into uh, going to halftime down one nothing, and it was just nonsense. Like they came out pressured very high. You know, this was this was a game that was marred by some very bad refereeing, including you know a play in the very beginning of the game where the ball kind of creamed off Sergio Ramos's hands right in the goal line. It 
could easily have been a penalty and red card. But then on the second half, exactly a similar situation where Bale was released over the top and he was taken down from behind in the area. Also a penalty and red card. Neither of them were called. It's just the kind of match where you think, you, you look at this, and I don't see how you're Bosch and you're watching your team play, and you don't see and think to yourself, well, shit, like, this isn't going well. We need to make a change. And he just didn't. And, like, he just rolled out the same shit that he did against Tottenham, and Madrid was shredding him. Like, Madrid could have scored three or four goals in the first half. Like, obviously, Dortmund's going to score. Like, they're a good attacking team, too. But, like, I just don't know how you can look at that and think to yourself, oh, yeah, this is, this is all fine. It doesn't make sense. Uh, so, yeah, it was a great performance for Madrid. Um, Madrid and Spurs are both six points up on Dortmund. Madrid and Spurs play each other in the next two, uh, oh, two say rounds. Say it again, six points up on Dortmund. Oh. But, yeah, and, and only twice in the history of the Champions League has a team come back from being down six points out of the first two fixtures to qualify. So both Madrid and Tottenham are looking very pretty at the top of the group, uh, looking down at Dortmund and I tell you, if Dortmund goes to the Europa League, it's pretty clear, it's pretty clear who's going to be favored in the Europa League yeah. because Dortmund's a crazy good team. Yeah, no, it it really is. It really is amazing, um, actually, that they that they are down six points. Um, like I think that most people, when they were picking this group, they you know people give Tottenham a chance. It's not like Tottenham is a pushover, but I think a lot of people. Uh, were reasonably heavily favoriting Dortmund to advance out of this group. Um, and I think those betting odds are changed <laughs> now that Dortmund yeah. is six, six points back. Yeah. Uh, it's that a, is a deep, deep hole. It is a deep hole. I, I, th- I mean, like, I'm really, ex- <laughs> I'm really excited, Evan, for the U.S. media to, like, spend the next, like, couple of months explaining to all of us why the Europa League is such a big deal and why, like, <laughs> you know, it's such a crucial thing for Dortmund and Christian Pulisic to, like, get... Uh, get the Europa League crown and like this is the thing we should all be watching. Just like Arsene Wenger this week, who had one of the stupidest fucking comments in the press. Like he literally has the salty. That's the saltiest comment I've ever heard anyone in a press. It's the same shit about the Europa League so, that I expect. So what's amazing about this is so Arsene Wenger said that. Um, and just a preview, this is my bad take of the week. Oh, okay, actually. all right, sorry. Then. Uh, this, it's my, it's my bad take, but it's fine. We can just do this now because because <laughs> it, it fits it fits here. So let's just let's just do it. It's our fucking show. Um, so Arsene Wenger, Arsene, <laughs> fuck it, we'll do it live. Fuck it. <laughs> Arsene Wenger gives this interview, right, and he basically says, like, you know, people aren't really watching the Champions League group stages so much, which he in Britain the ratings are down. He says. You know, it's just, you know, it's just the best, you know, the you know, everyone knows that Madrid and Bayern are the best sides and no one really cares anymore. And, uh, you know, he, he footnotes it strangely with, and this has nothing to do with the fact that I'm not in the Champions League for the first time in like a decade. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and it's, just, God, it's just hilarious because he he justified his existence as an Arsenal, as the Arsenal manager for the last 10 fucking years as, yeah, but we make it to the Champions League. <laughs> and that's what's important. What's important? Silverware doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we win championships. We're in the Champions League. But now the first year they fucking misses the Champions League. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's not, yeah, yeah. Who gives a shit about the Champions League? I didn't want to be in the Champions League anyways. Yeah, you can't disinvite me because I'm I don't want to come. <laughs> <laughs> I decline. <laughs> Fuck you. 
Oh, I, I heard that uh, uh, the Champions League uh, wasn't uh, interested in having me. Well, fuck them. We're not going anyways. Yeah, we were going <laughs> to decline anyway. Arsenal's too good for this shit. Oh my god! Uh, all right, let's um, let's move on um, and talk. Let's do our uh, let's talk MLS. Um, we've got so the the our topic this week is is MLS playoffs and MLS playoff probabilities. We both watched a game also from Atlanta United, though I think we watched a different one. And we I gotta tell you, games. Uh, man, was it fun to watch Atlanta United? Shit, they are awesome. Yeah. They're everything the MLS needs to be. Um, they have young, good, like yeah. really talented players. This is the opposite of the retirement league. Um, and they are, I mean, so they actually have a Spurs player. Um, walks their right back is a Spurs Academy grad oh, who's on, on loan to Atlanta. Um, and he's been having, he actually just re-upped for a second season on loan because he's having such a great time playing in Atlanta. Um and they are, and it's not just that they're exciting to watch; they are beating the shit out of people. Yeah, they're no joke, uh, and they're they're clearly no joke in with respect to the other teams in this league. I'm so they're in the playoffs. They would just quickly go through the playoff odds. Toronto FC, which seems to be the class of MLS, has clinched. New York City FC is also clinched, uh, basically because David Villa actually is still really good at soccer. Um, Atlanta United and Chicago Fire are both certain to clinch um though they haven't officially done it yet columbus crew and new york red bulls will round up the eastern conference um Um, vancouver whitecaps sporting kansas city portland timbers are all essentially clinched and seattle sounders houston dynamo are both likely to clinch uh and then we actually have a kind of interesting side on the western conference where rail salt lake and fc dallas and san jose earthquakes all three of them could clinch theoretically uh so We'll see what what happens on the uh, in the West, but I, I wanted to focus on uh, Atlanta because they are they are really fun and they have a team and an owner that really has clearly bought in uh, to this to a model that MLS needs to follow more of, which is bringing exciting young talents from Europe uh, and from other leagues and developing American talents. And getting the fan base to really rally around uh, this new side, so they're selling out a sixty thousand person stadium in Atlanta for almost every game. Like the game I watched was Atlanta versus Impact Montreal, which is not a bad team, but Atlanta ran roughshod over them, and they were sixty thousand people in that stadium screaming. It was awesome to watch and extremely exciting. Like that was a fun fucking game to watch, dude. Dude, so, I mean, I had the same... I can't talk about that game because I watched them do the exact same thing to LA Galaxy where they put three goals past them within 20 minutes and then I turned it off and watched Throwball instead because <laughs> it was, like, it was over. Yeah. Um, and so I watched Monday Night Throwball. But, Which sucks. Uh, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, fucking, fucking NFL. But, I mean, and look, Joseph, uh, Joseph Martinez is a huge part of this. Like, so he's this, he's a forward who plays for Atlanta United. He, they bought him at, you know, as part of the expansion side, um, from Torino. And he is just, I mean, he just looks like the best player on the field every time he's playing right now. Yeah, he's Um, a real deal. Just a class above. And I, you know, I almost wonder if he's going to make it through the you know next couple transfer windows and still be in Atlanta because this guy could play on a lot of European sides. 
Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I think Atlanta at least has doing, and I think New York City may be doing it also, is actually being a destination for players that theoretically could still play in Europe, but or or could play in Europe, not just still, but like generally could. And just people want to play anyways there, which is really ultimately the should be the goal of MLS, which is saying like, now, Cristiano Ronaldo, the goal of this, this league isn't going to be to say, Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, during the peak of your career, you're not going to want to play at Atlanta. But uh, it's for players like, you know, like, like Martinez or like some of these other like European you know, play, players that are really the t- the class of like a mid-table Spanish yeah. or Primera or, or Serie A side and just saying, look, uh, you know, we actually do want to play. And, you know, for Atlanta, it's just the same level uh, that we're getting there and we're getting like, you know, good salary and like coming to MLS over the other options in their in their domestic leagues. That I think is a really realistic goal for uh, for MLS, and it, it it seems like if if Atlanta continues this kind of atmosphere and continues to just dominate, like that's that's a real thing, and I think that that's the kind of thing that uh, that MLS can can aspire to, and and not just and aspire to in the next few years, not like you know twenty years down the lo- down the line. I mean, wages have to go up, right? I mean, that's the big thing is wages have to go up. They just they just because of the way the salary cap is, they just can't pay their players enough. And that's the, that is the number one thing I think holding MLS back right now is that they, they need to raise the salary cap so that, so that teams can pay players sufficient to attract them. Because right now you can make more in the English championship, uh, you know, playing in you know English second division by far, you can make more than you make in, uh, in MLS. So like, that's uh, you know, that's tough. Oh, maybe a lot of those best second division English guys would look really good at being. Oh, I'll, I'll go be a first division guy in America, um, and you get to be the star of the team, and you get to, you know, and you're not. Well, the question playing- is really whether MLS is as is at a point now where, or will get to a point where a a really good player in second division in England wouldn't be the best player. In yeah, MLS, sure, right? and I, and I mean, and I, I think don't even that- think they are now, right? Like I, th- I like I, I don't know. Like it depends. Yeah, it does. It does. Maybe for like team, you know DC United, which is my team. I wanted to bring up DC United, and I'll talk yeah, about really them in fuck, a second. Yeah, they are fucking awful. Uh, so uh, I also I I also think that you're obviously you're totally right about that. But I think another model that uh, uh that 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 MLS could pursue, and you know, look, we're obviously not MLS you know connoisseurs the way that some of our other awesome SB Nation friends, colleagues, and bloggers are. Uh, but I just wonder whether a move like obviously Atlanta brought in a dude on loan and a lot of high level Spanish sides actually do thrive off bringing in one year loans from the best teams like B teams. And yeah. like that actually seems like a, a model that if I were at Toronto or not even Toronto, if I were at Columbus Crew or New England Revolution, I would you know maybe get on the phone with. Valencia or someone and be like, hey man, like I see you have this like 19 year old on your B team that's in like third division in Spain. Why don't you send him over here on loan? Uh, and we'll he'll almost certainly start for us and get well, a and whole year. This this is exactly actually what Atlanta, you know, since they're the pioneer, this is what they've done with Anton Walks, the Spurs player who's 20 years old. Um, he's a, you know, really good right back, exciting right back. He's probably never gonna make the first team at, at Spurs, I think. 
Um, but he could play it like Stoke, right? Like that's not yeah. Like- no, he will. He could be. He could could and probably will eventually be a mid table uh, player. He'll be a Premier League player. But he's been on loan and he just renewed his loan out out at Atlanta. Um, uh, you know, from Tottenham, and so that's exactly what Atlanta's doing. Is they're they they've you know signed on loan this young guy who's really exciting, and he loves Atlanta so much that when he had the chance to go back to England, he's chosen to stay for another year at Atlanta instead. Right, and that that makes sense as a model, uh, and it's not actually a model that is like indicative of like a second tier league by definition, because plenty of teams in England and Spain and Italy use that model to great success, like. For example, Alaves in in Spain uh, has basically over the last couple of years just taken on loan all of Real Madrid's young players that are really good, and they've been super good over the last couple of years. They're a really exciting squad, and they you know they were competing for Europa League champion like prizes last season. So like the question is like whether you know this is this isn't. I I, I also feel like I, I worry that like we get MLS fans who are, may listen to this. This isn't a thing saying that MLS is bad. All I'm saying is like actually this is a not a bad model going forward because I think that what MLS can get to even may already be at the top levels is like comparatively, you know, a a a, a league that that has and 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 you know has teams that are basically as good as the mid-table like high-level league teams, which is actually not a fucking joke if you look at like fucking France like they don't have anyone that's as good like as some of these mid-table Spanish teams like I don't know like Montpellier you're telling me like I I could wouldn't beat you know would would beat Atlanta every time I don't know if that's true yeah I'm not sure that's true either um yeah I mean I I think that for yeah I I think everything you said is right like this isn't a critique like we're not shitting on MLS right now this we're, we're saying that here's a thing that MLS is doing in one part of MLS and we hope that other parts of MLS emulate it. Yeah. That you know, and that, that there, and it's not that there's never a time to hire to to buy or, or sign a you know older player at the end of their career. I think that that's perfectly fine, and that happens at smaller you know mid table sides totally, or totally. smaller European leagues. Like players want to keep playing, so they go to a new team. Raul went to um, Schalke for two years at the end of his career too. I mean, shit. Uh, Spurs just signed Fernando Llorente. Yeah, uh, totally. Uh, you know, and they tried to sign him in twenty, like for years in the early twenty, you know, twenty eleven to twenty thirteen, and they never could. Um, and now they signed him. Now he's old and broken. But <laughs> yeah, so like, there's still going to be places for for older players to come and play when they want to. But the future is in Flat a time. combination of continuing to grow you know, North American talent, both, you know, American, Canadian, and also I think getting Mexican talent involved yeah. and, uh, and then getting these young players on loan or just buying them outright. And Zlatan. The future well, yeah, is the also future, Zlatan. That, so actually for real, that's the future I think for LA. Like LA is pretty bad this year, but next year they might have a, a fucking Zlatan and that'd be, you know, big thing. <laughs> he will be really good for them because he's really good. Uh, yeah. All right, so I think that wraps up kind of the general thing. We don't really have a reading series this week because uh, we actually planned to do an interview today, and so we didn't have time to like really do the research required. Um, but we do have a couple of hilariously bad takes. Evan already, you already talked about yours. Yeah, I already gave mine. We, Fucking Arsene Wenger. Arsene Wenger talking about how the Champions League has really fallen off ever since Arsenal wasn't in it, which is awesome. <laughs> It's literally the same shit. Like, oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um, 
Uh, sorry, so I've got two. Uh, one of my favorite things that's been going on in the Spanish media is my bad take this week, which is uh, a shitload of Spanish media personalities talking about how Cristiano Ronaldo had to uh, prove himself against Dortmund. I mentioned it earlier. It's a classic thing, but like this is the man who in his last uh, in his last few Champions League matches has essentially not failed to when he's played not failed to score twice at least right so like it, he has in fact i actually looked back at his last like 12 shots on target and like 11 of them are goals like this is not <laughs> in the champions like this is not a player like i he said today after the game he's like i feel like i always have to prove to people what i am and that's totally true. And, like, the way the Spanish media talks about him is such a fucking douchey and bad take. Like, it's such a bad understanding of how this works. Like, at this point, like, the idea that Cristiano Ronaldo has to prove himself in any match at all is absolutely ridiculous. He scored 411 goals in 400 games for Madrid. It's nonsense. Stop it. It's stupid. All right. Yeah, and dumb. It's dumb. All right. Okay. Okay. And actually, it's time to discuss. This is one of my favorite bad takes I've ever seen in my entire life. Get ready, people. This is amazing. This is Hall of Fame bad take. Hall of Fame bad take. Hi, Charlie. Um, Shout out to our friend Jose Villacresis. You should follow him at JJ underscore VLAC. V-I-L-L-A-C. This is a great fucking take. It's so good. All right. RG6. Registability who is a European scout. Uh, he describes himself, sorry, as a Premier League scout. And this is a fact-based account. This is his take, all right? All right. Uh, someone asked him, what are the football stats you hate the most? And he says, goals oversimplify the rich tapestry of events that occur within a match. I would prefer judges to score the result like a performance art. Jesus! so if you took pep guardiola and you got him drunk and then you had him like mainline some crystal meth if that's even a thing that can be done yeah you can do that he he might tell you this yeah so this is exactly what i so i sent this to evan earlier and you were like holy shit that's some continental bullshit and like at first i was like wait what and now like no of course it is this is exactly like Literally, like, Pep Guardiola's fucking acid dream would be, like, if his Barcelona, like, could just, like, fucking get on the pitch and just pass the ball around for 90 minutes without basically giving the ball to the other side, then have, like, a panel of, like, fucking Olympic judges stand up and applaud them and everyone just kind of sit back and fucking like suck his dick. Like the whole idea, right? It goes back to that Pep Guardiola tiki taka stuff. Football is art. One team deserves to win over the other team because they play prettier soccer. It's such fucking bullshit. Like, no, you, what, you know what the greatest thing is? I just thought about it is like, it would allow soccer to finally meet its most corrupt form its final form holy shit where so true. like the olympics you can fucking bribe judges to just make you fucking win that's such a good point like it wouldn't matter if the team scored more goals if the if one like if one team fucking scored on themselves it wouldn't matter because you give a shit doesn't matter because one team fucking strung 35 passes together and that's worth six points or whatever 
Yeah, yeah, and you just you get you get a nine and a half, and you win. That's it, and you could fuck, and that's a classic FIFA shit. They could go in and they'd be like, "Well, look, um, uh, the fucking Russian government paid us to have Syria win the World Cup this year, <laughs> so that like they can continue to repress their people and have like the sense of nationalism." So Syria wins, even though they never touch the ball. <laughs> Like, we're not actually sure they showed up today, but it looked really good doing it. Really good. Really top quality. All the judges are in agreement. Like, all the judges from... Unanimous decision. Uh, you know, that's it. It's <laughs> such a good... That's actually... Now that I'm thinking about it, that's like the most FIFA shit ever. I'm, I'm totally into this now. <laughs> but holy shit. Like, I don't... I, what I don't understand... Like, the... Okay. Uh, if you're listening to this, my man, like, I'd love to host you on this show to listen to you... To, to, no, like literally to listen to, to, to this conversation. I would be if willing is, to give him just like 10 minutes yeah. of, of, of uninterrupted airtime air yeah. to, to just lay it out. Yeah, explain to us because the fact – this is arguably the stupidest thing I've ever seen put to Twitter. And that – no, okay, that's not true. But it's like one of the stupidest things I've ever seen in soccer Twitter. And it's very cool if this is satire, I'm really into it, and you got us like you did. But I, I don't think it is. I don't think this is satire. And the level of like douchey condescension with that fucking first sentence is so funny. Goals oversimplify the rich tapestry of events that occur within a match. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck Every you. time you read that out, Pep Guardiola, Guardiola has an orgasm. He doesn't know why. Yeah, he's just sitting there. He's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, excuse me. Somewhere, someone understands football, and it's finally, just too him. They finally get it. Everything my whole career has come to, they get it. Possession is the only thing that matters. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. God, you could imagine too. People would just be like, you wouldn't try to score though, right? You would just like fucking do rainbow flicks all <laughs> no, day. It's awesome. It's so awesome. Oh. All right, well that's uh, that's that's about it for the show this week. Um, we're coming back next week. Uh, we've got our interview with James Rushton of uh, the uh, SBN Rosonero and um, seventy five hundred to Holt, which is a great Aston Villa blog. We'll talk a little bit about the promotion and relegation structure, but really we're chatting a little bit about um, football and politics and a little bit about like where where we where where we all are at in this this new kind of world that we fucking blundered our fucking nonsensical asses into says the dude who's a fucking bottle of wine and a beer deep but that's where we are <laughs> it'll be a really yeah, cool thing I, I, I mean i'm excited about that it's gonna be fun it'll be an interesting conversation all right so until then the man great talking to you yeah it was great A mystical quest to the island.